Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Marco and Anique Bailetti, and we chat about their adventures in real estate. They live in Toronto, and somehow they manage to open up their perspective around real estate investing and consider areas like Hamilton, Brantford, and St. Catharines. And the reason I'm saying it that way is because we meet so many Toronto investors who just cannot wrap their head around the opportunities that exist outside of Toronto proper. It's not that there are not opportunities in Toronto. Of course there are. But there are a whole lot of cash flowing opportunities around the city of Toronto. And when you understand the fundamentals the way they do, these opportunities cannot be ignored. So we're very grateful that they came on and shared their story with us here. Paul DeBruzzo, one of the Rockstar real estate coaches that we have here at Rockstar, is, has been working with them over the years. He is also on this episode sharing some of his own thoughts around their adventures. So... If you are listening to this and you want to dive into real estate investing, learning from them is a great opportunity. And if you want to take the next step, you can come to the same introductory real estate training class that Marco came to. You can register for that at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. And that's where we share all the different strategies, property types, cash flow numbers, interest rates that investors are working with right now today in the year 2022. So you can register for that at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, it is Tom Karadza, and I don't know if I'm going to mess up these names or not, but I like playing around with people's last names, so I'm going to try. It's Marco and Anik. Anik, I didn't. Is how am I pronouncing your first name? Anik. 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 Yeah. What's the background of Anik? Uh, it's French, actually. Um, even though I'm Australian, <laughs> I have not stepped foot. So French, uh, French parents? French no, Australian Fran parents who were, uh, who fell in love with France and lived there for a number of years. And so my namesake was a, a French woman by the name of Anique. Anique. Oh, wow. Um, so Marco and Anique, and now your last name, Balletti. 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 Look at Paul laughing at me because Paul's Italian. He's <laughs> laughing over at me here. Now I messed up everybody's name, but we're going to leave that. We're gonna... No one is going to mess up my name next. No, 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 no. No, I know, I know the brutes. So I know the brutes. So, um, so let's uh, let's just jump uh, jump in. I, I'm curious, Anique, where and now I'm saying it properly, correct? Yes, you are. The, your master's degree in climate. We're going to get to the real estate stuff. We're, I promise. But this master's degree in climate change. Mm -hmm. You got to tell me, how does somebody get a master's degree in uh, climate change? This is something that you started university or it was a, something after your undergraduate, you went and got a master's degree. And what does that degree look like? Like what courses are, what kind of stuff are you taking? Yeah, sure. No, thanks. Thanks for asking. So I uh, know well, well after my undergraduate degree, that's for sure. Um, so I've been working in the international development space. So for large uh, Canadian INGO doing development work. Um, for pretty well all my career, always been interested in, in the environment and climate and sustainability. Um, so my undergraduate degree is in environmental studies. Um, and so carried that passion with me, I guess, throughout my career. 
Um, and then, you know, over the years began to realize sort of this nexus between development, poverty, environment, now increasingly climate change and how people who are living, you know, in, in poverty stricken countries in the third world are generally speaking more susceptible and vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. And so, um, you know, I've, I've been in business development, so proposal development, fundraising, et cetera, for many, many years. I wanted to get deeper into this sort of technical area that I've become increasingly passionate about. And so um, the University of London, London, England, is one of the few um, universities at the master's degree that offers a program looking specifically at that nexus. So it's climate change and development. So again, looking at that, um, looking at that merging of those two worlds. And um, so I just took a step back from my career um, to pursue my master's full time, which Theoretically, I should have been finished in October, but with COVID hitting, it's sort of protracted the process longer than I would have liked. But um, I'm, I'm due to submit my dissertation uh, in spring, actually, this year. So time is, uh, time is marching on. But um, once I'm done that, my intention is to likely not go back to, the, to sort of the full-time NGO world, but to consult in this new area of expertise. Um, so, you know, it, it's quite timely. <laughs> Um, and uh, I think, um, you know, it's something that I'm definitely passionate about that I'm looking forward to pursuing. Wow, cool. And then, um, Marco, you've been in marketing for, it said mar you, you marketing and analytics. Tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, so my, my background is, uh, so digital marketing, marketing analytics. So that's um, analyzing uh, data and patterns and then uh, creating experiences or targeted content. Uh, based on those on those patterns, um, and and also in, in a background in technology, you know, funny story. I just listening to a Nick and just <clears throat> um, we've been together for I guess 20, 20 plus years, and when she made the move uh, to climate change and kind of you know quitting her job, very successful, going back to school, it's just pretty inspirational. And it and I think about a Nick uh, when I first met your father. So when I met first met uh, her father. He's like a really tall, good-looking Australian guy. And of course, you know, I, I walk in and as soon as I walk in and Nick takes off. So it's just me and her dad. And of course he's like, you know, hey, let's sit down uh, mates and, and let's have a conversation. I'm like, oh no. And so the first 15 minutes he establishes that he's got not one doctorate, but two doctorates. He's a very successful, you know, pharmaceutical. He's done all these great things. And then, you know, after, then after, you know, a few minutes, he turns to me and he's like, and so Marco, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and at the time I, I, I was getting into digital marketing. This was, before, this was like in the, you know, the dial up modem days, the 14.4 modem. Oh, wow. If anybody remembers those. And I was oh, trying he to dismiss you. He dismissed you. He didn't tell you, but he dismissed you for sure. <laughs> this, is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is like, a miracle you... that you guys are together right now. <laughs> it is, it is in, in, in many ways. But uh, so he looked at me and I, and I said, look, I, I don't know really uh, this digital space or tech, tech space or the internet, uh, but I think that there's something there. And I think that there's applications, you know, for, for marketing and, and e-commerce. And that was 20 some years ago. So 20, 20 years later, I'm, I'm doing that uh, full time and, and consulting. And that's, it's been uh, pretty exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving, you know, the idea of if there's any applications on marrying, you know, real estate with analytics and, and kind of prop tech. So that, that's kind of my next sort of passion. Oh, cool. Okay. So then um, 
how do you guys, you guys have such a diverse background here. How do you guys decide to get into investment real estate? Like what's the conversation at home like? And who started that conversation? Because it just feels like with your backgrounds, you are the type of people who, and don't take this the wrong way, that are like classically not a client of ours, you know, because you're, you, you know, you, you both have interesting careers. You're kind of very focused on them and passionate about them. It doesn't feel like you're frustrated in what you're doing. It feels like you both like are, enjoy what you're focused on. So to get into real estate, it must just have been around getting ahead in the monetary, in the monetary system, like in the money system savings. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And Nick, you want to start? No, go ahead. You got the story down, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> she's heard the story. When I hear that, she's heard the story one too many times. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, so, I mean, uh, uh, it, there's really three reasons. And, and Tom and Paul, I mean, you, you're, you're going to smile because a lot of these themes I've heard in, in your podcasts. Um, and and it's, it's, really, it's really three things. I mean, one, um, the idea of... Uh, investing in an appreciating asset that somebody else pays for, like that idea in itself it is, is pretty interesting. The, the second is really around uh, the leverage, right? So like I used to buy, or I still do, you know, stocks and, um, you know, with real estate uh, and option trading as well, but with real estate, you can put down 20% or 25% and, and you can control the full, uh, price of the of the asset. So put in 20% and you can control a million dollars in terms of appreciation. So the leverage was really interesting. But the, the third, probably the most important is the is the legacy. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, we, we love our respective jobs, our careers, and um, you know, it's been quite fulfilling. But at the end of the day, like, why are we doing this? Like, we're doing this because we want to spend more time with our family, more, more time with our boys. Uh, so being able to invest in real estate and give them not just money, but an asset that generates money and giving that to our boys uh, seems to uh, seem to make sense. And that was, I would say, five to six years ago. We were always thinking about it. But, uh, you know, about six years ago, we pulled the trigger and bought a property in Hamilton, maybe. And they can tell you that story. Uh, and then that's how we got into it. And we've, we've kind of uh, scaled and, you know, working with Paul to hopefully double our portfolio in the next year. And so, yeah, tell me the first property. What was that one? Well, actually, I think if we are being honest, our first first property was in our own home. So we rented out our basement um, for about four years before we had kids. So we moved up from, you know, typically moved up from a condo in the Liberty Village, moved to Midtown. Um, and one of our key criteria to buy a house in this area was to find, um, a, you know, a nanny suite or basement apartment. So we found our place here up along St. Clair um, and we're thrilled to see this perfect basement apartment. And so that was, I think, really our first, first official rental scenario and kind of got our feet wet there. Um, and then once we had our second kid, I was like, okay, we're done with that. Let's do something else. Um, so then Marco started looking. And on uh, that, sorry, just reading your, you had a member of the month story that we published with members here. So thank you, first of all, for sharing that story, because that's how members and investors locally learn from each other. And in that story, I learned, I think it was from that story. I learned that I think, I guess it was with your first, you're renting the, 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 one of the levels out of your house to a musician uh, while you had a newborn. Worse than a musician, so, I think yeah. it was a sound technician. So oh, it was a sound had, technician. Like, yeah. It, who, yeah. 
with so a toddler and a newborn. <laughs> okay, but you survived it. Who uh, had, barely, who had, who, who had the heart to, so Marco, you had the heart to heart conversations with let's keep the music under control because we have a newborn here. We did. We did. So I, we, we, uh, I was all excited about the house hacking idea and the idea of, I mean, we were renting it out for 800 bucks a month and we did, you know, I, I cause I'm a numbers guy, Paul, Paul could definitely uh, attest to that. But I looked at the numbers looked at the application and on paper, this applicant, you know, this tenant was perfect. Great, you know, great salary, you know, good career, uh, good references. And then as soon as the first day he moved in, uh, the truck unloaded and there was like a synthesizer, there was a drum set, there was a detail. I was like, oh my gosh, what, what have we done? Milk crate and, after milk crate of like vinyl records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh my oh gosh. My God. Well, he turned, like I mean. Breaking into a sweat watching all this happen. Yeah. There, there was, yeah, there was, there was some, uh, you know, there was, yeah, there was a, there was definitely a, a sit down uh, for sure. Well, the first sit down was with Nick and I, and Nick was like, you better take care of this problem. Uh, and then we, we sat down and-, and Paul laughing, real- Paul's laughing because <laughs> that is classic real estate right there. You're knee deep oh, in I'm, it. I'm laughing because that's not what she said and how she said it. No, yeah, that's not how she said <laughs> no. it at all. We all know that. And we, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it worked she out. Probably, we sat, she had it. Yeah. it worked out. We sat down and, and talked to him, and then and the solution was uh, headsets. That's it. And it were, he was a great tenant after that. So after oh, awesome. that, though, we, uh, you know, Marco was like, okay, let's get into this a bit more seriously and started looking at the Toronto market. And one of the things that we'd always discussed was, you know, I, you know, we're both starting our careers. I was on mat leave, my second mat leave at that point. And I said, listen, we don't want to have to subsidize anything that we do in terms of, um, you know, monthly, monthly rent. So cash flow has to be, you know, has to be paramount. And obviously at the time, well, at any time, point of time in Toronto, um, you know, we looked for what, maybe six, seven, eight months in Toronto. And um, obviously nothing was cash flowing. And so we started then, I said, well, you know, it, it's only an hour or 40 minutes away. Let's look outside the city. And so that's when we landed on Hamilton, luckily. And uh, and that was our, our first official investment property, um, a duplex out in Hamilton that Marco and my dad actually did a whole bunch of work on, um, you know, as the, as the starter, the starter investment property. Cool. And then that kind of got the things rolling, it feels like, because after then it feels like you've been up to a whole bunch of stuff. So you got that first property and then that doesn't scare you off either. It sounds like, and from that first property, do you get another property in, uh, because I know, I think you have something in St. Catharines. Um, you just kept rolling after the first property. And is that when you met Paul? We, yeah. So we met, um, well, there was a lot of challenges in the first property. Uh, we did the rentals ourselves. I, uh, so is that where you electrocuted yourself? Because I think I, read I did. That as well. I electrocuted myself. I was at the, because I was so keen, so eager to get into real estate, and I truly I wanted to save money, but I also wanted to learn and you know the trades. I'm like, okay, you know how how hard can it be? Turns out uh, <laughs> there's a reason why you pay tradespeople really good money. Uh, and I was replacing a a light fixture with a fan, and I was exhausted. I was doing rentals the whole day. And intellectually, I knew the power was still on. That's the worst part. I knew the power was still on. But I was like, you know what? I'm just too, I'm too tired to go all the way down to turn off the power. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go and, and it's like that old o- operation game. You remember that when you had to pick out the bone? I was like, I just need to like avoid this wire. <laughs> and so I, so I, you know, fell off the chair. You do that once. And so, you, okay, then you hire professionals. And then after we had the duplex, 
I think that that's where, that's probably where I met uh, Tom, yourself and your brother, Nick. And it was at a rock star, um, just like an intro class. Mm. And it was just, there was just so much energy, but, but more importantly, there was uh, just the authenticity, the real world experience that, that uh, I was like, I need to learn more. And I asked, I, 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 you know, I reached out to you. I was like, you know, Tom, I have this, you know, one unit duplex. I want to scale my business. And then you connected me with Paul. And then we've been, yeah, that we've been buying properties ever since. Cool. And then, so you, you mentioned your numbers guy. I know Paul's a numbers guy as well. And so Marco, for you, what, what numbers are the most important? And the reason I'm asking is everyone looks at things differently, but I think is the most important. Often people dismiss so for you guys both together or for Marco yourself, like what do you guys agree on the numbers or is that, is that shared between you equally or is there someone a the decision maker and what do you guys look at with the numbers? Uh, that's a great question. You want to talk about the decision-making, uh, I think? Uh, I can well, talk about I, the numbers, but. But I think the decision-making really falls squarely on the numbers in a lot of, a lot of cases. I mean, I think that's one thing, Marco, that you've established from the get-go was a really uh, rigorous system. Paul knows the system all too well now, probably curses <laughs> my lady system, um, but it's done as well. And I think it's taken a lot of guesswork um, out of those discussions and a lot of potential tensions or, um, you know, uh, you know, frustrations with each other, perhaps, or different points of view, because I think in principle, we agree on the strategy. We agree on sort of the, the metrics and, and data points that we look at. You know, I think there've been a couple of times when I've said, Marco, you know, stick with the system. I think maybe he's been a bit more likely to sort of veer off out of frustration sometimes, just especially the market right now. But I think generally speaking, the numbers um, have been sort of our North Star, frankly, in a lot of ways. Um, and which, which numbers specifically? Is it, you know, income expenses or something more than that? Is that, is that what you're looking at? Yeah, I, I mean, the... the um... So there's, so I look at the, this is kind of, do you remember the rain days? Remember the, the, the mm -hmm. acres going to those, uh, yes. those events? So I actually never went to an acre. Nick and I were rain members forever, but I never went to one, but yes, I remember when they had those for sure. So that those, those kind of um, those stuck with me, um, but in particular the fundamentals. So where I start is the, the fundamentals. So you take a look at uh, the fundamentals and uh, obviously the GTA uh, and you look at things like unemployment rates, uh, you look at uh, vacancy rates, you look at uh, transportation, uh, you look at schools, like the, the different amenities. So you, you kind of get a picture of a certain region based on like the sound fundamentals, um, small businesses as well. And then from that, I have a spreadsheet, which again, Paul probably gets frustrated with me. Uh, and the numbers that I look at uh, is cash flow. So if I were to prioritize, definitely cash flow. Um, and I also take a look at cap rate uh, to a certain uh, extent. And then I look at uh, I look at appreciation to to uh, you know a, a little bit, but but uh, it's a very conservative number. So I, I look at a three percent appreciation. But the last number I look at is what is my what is my return on investment, my initial investment uh, on an annual basis. And the reason why I look at that is. Uh, I compare real estate investing just like I could, just like I look at my stocks or any other investing, and what is my return on investment annualized? Because that, that gives me a baseline of comparison. The other reason why I look at that is, you know, Nick and I have been doing this for four or five years. We, we've had some success, 
and, and you know, friends and family are reaching out. Um, I, I just got a call yesterday um, looking to do joint ventures with us. So they, they, they're basically saying, we've got some money, we want to invest with you. Um, and then, you know, when we start to look at our, our investment package, we really want to simplify it and kind of take out all of the real estate metrics and just distill it down to, you give us X dollars, this is going to be your return on investment on an annualized basis. And you can compare that versus your RSP or your TFSA. Awesome. Okay. So I just wanted to ask about Paul, maybe one of the first properties you worked together on just which property that was and how you guys kind of looked at it, but you're making me remember when Nick and I started in our twenties, one of the first properties we brought together as a rental was a student rental. And Nick came to me and said, Hey, there's a guy around the street. I bought this one with another person. Do you want to buy this one with me? And I said, well, tell me about it. And he goes, well, it's like 250 grand at the time that was like, Holy smokes. But then he said, look at the income and then look at the expenses and we were like, wow, this thing is cash flowing like $1,500 a month. Like for us at that time in our 20s, that's like 44 years ago. I was like 25 or 26. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, let's buy it immediately. What we didn't do in our magical analysis, we didn't calculate how many, how many renovations that property would need within the first 24 months. <laughs> so the cash flow was like amazing. But the wall, like, you know, the, the place was a disaster. So we kind of learned to look at numbers like the hard way, just doing everything wrong. So it's good to know that you guys, I don't feel did it that way. You guys kind of walked in with the plan. So that's much better <laughs> than the way we did it. We literally had a washroom in the basement. I'll never forget. There was an extension cord coming out of the ceiling along where the shower is. And it was plugged into a dehumidifier right next to this tub where, and the shower head was tied with like a, a, a wire, like a clothes hanger wire off the HVAC on the ceiling. That was how the shower head was like operating in the shower. It was just a complete disaster. I still blame Nick for that one. And we overpaid. That's also his fault. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it, it, we overpaid. I laugh looking back, obviously, you know, things were fine, but uh, I'm curious. So, so how did you guys, what Paul, where did you, where did you, did you take them to a specific area to look at properties or were you guys guiding Paul to look in a specific area? How did that work? Honestly, I don't, I don't remember the first property you got to remind me, Marco. Or, a, or any of the properties. I'm just curious I, how you guys worked together. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, so we had, uh, it, the first property was uh, the sixplex on Wilkes. So that video that, that uh, uh, we put together, that Rockstar video, that's, that's the sixplex uh, that Paul uh, found for us in uh, Brantford. And then there was another property then after that, there was the St. Catharines one, and then uh, Oakville. Uh, we just we just purchased a house in, in Oakville. We're moving to Oakville in the summertime. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a really good experience. There was uh, it was Paul and Delano. We were looking at uh, Brantford. We were still looking in the Hamilton area, but we kind of extended a little bit to Brantford. And it was purpose built. And Paul had a really good idea. Like you said, Paul had a has a knack for finding good value, good properties. So we were able to get this. Uh, property for Paul, I think it was 900 K for a sixplex. And as soon as, soon as I pay for any, as soon as we close the moment that I close, I always feel like Tom, like you said, I, I've paid too much. <laughs> I've paid too much. And I, I remember feeling that we've paid too much for that 900,000 sixplex. And that was four years ago, which is now one point it's been appreciated for like 1.6, 1.7. Uh, but that was a good, yeah, that was a really good, uh, partnership let's, let's differentiate it, it was six units but it, it was six townhouse units mm. so 
you know, um, uh, definitely not uh, something you find every day. And at the price you paid back then, like it's almost unheard of now. Like it's, I wouldn't be surprised if it's double that easily. I guess that's a testament to you guys because living in Toronto, we actually have a hard time convincing anyone living in Toronto to even consider Hamilton, never mind Brentford. So for you both to say weekends on the road with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like most of the time when we speak to anyone who lives in downtown, downtown Toronto proper and talk to them about these areas called Kitchener or like, you know, Guelph (laughs) or St. (laughs) Catharines, we kind of get that glossy look. So for, for you both to like consider that. And again, going by the numbers, um, and, but that's crazy. Like four years ago or five years ago or so you to buy that, a six unit townhouse. So Paul, these are six, like all lined up as one structure townhomes. So two end units on either side, four in the middle kind of thing. Yeah. Six, two story townhouse style bedrooms on the, up the upstairs and living area on the main floor and basements too. You got full basements, right? Yep. It looked like and then funding that renovation. I did that freak you out because did you have to renovate all six units? So we, uh, so yes, but it's over time, right? So we, uh, I think we've now have four of the six units are fully renovated. Uh, and does did the funding the units uh, scare us? The, the short answer is no, because once you start to understand, and, and Tom and you and uh, Nick do a really good job at, at explaining the fundamentals, like rather than jumping into kind of the real estate right away, you, you take a step back and say, well, here are the fundamentals. Here, here's Canada relative to, other countries in the world. Here's the GTA relative to other regions. Take a look at, I mean, we're immigrants to to Canada. We immigrated in 1978. Um, So we know the type of immigrants that, that, uh, and and, and experience as well, uh, that uh, Canada attracts. So we know that the demand from immigration and in-migration is is continuing. And these are high quality, you know, uh, uh, tenants. So the fundamentals, the fundamentals are there. So for us going out of Toronto, it wasn't too scary because we knew um, if Toronto is kind of the center, there's going to be a ripple effect. So we we're pretty comfortable with that. And the financing, um, and some of your podcasts, uh, you, you know, you talk a little bit about how you get financing, how you unlock HELOC, alternative ways of financing. Um, so that's what we did. We we bought uh, we bought a couple of places. We refinanced them. We unlocked money uh, from there, and then we were able to uh, to uh, invest in the in the rentals. As long as you're you're taking your HELOC and you're putting it into an asset that appreciate, it, there's no problem. But as Don Campbell would say from Rain, if you go and you buy a boat, then then, then there's a problem. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's good not, for you. It's not hard to to rationalize it either when we were literally like doubling our rents, right? So if you think about mm-hmm. how quickly that renovation will pay off, we I mean we were literally in in the video that we sent to you, um, we doubled the rents. So you know that. 40, 50, at the time it was 40, now it's closer to $60,000 renovation per unit. You know, you can do the math as to when that gets paid off and it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. So looking back and then I'm curious, yeah, and I saw that in your video that you shared. Yeah, it looked like it was like 94% increase or whatever, you doubled that kind of rent or whatever that was. That's, it's, it's crazy to think about what you can do with some of these properties. But I guess, what was your biggest fear then starting out? Was your biggest fear vacancies, tenant damage? Because you seem so well thought out about this, I have to admit. You know, you're just like, hey, we're looking at the numbers. Everything's going. We're looking at the fundamentals. We're looking at the numbers on the property. What was the biggest fear here that you would have a vacancy and not be able to pay the mortgage? That you couldn't. Uh, tenant damage is usually high on people's list. What What was yours? 
it was probably different for me. The tenant aspect of it was scary um, okay. just because, um, you know, learning the ropes as a landlord um, in a fairly landlord, perhaps unfriendly environment, mm. um, especially during COVID was, was scary for me personally. Um, mm. I know when COVID hit, that was really scary. Um, you know, my God, are people going to stop paying rent? You know, at that point. I yeah. Remember April 1st, April 1st, 2020. We were all was... like, Oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? Should we, you know, we, we, we put a pause on our, our, our mortgage, you know, with the bank, we sort of, as it turns yeah, out, I remember that I forgot about all that era. Oh my gosh. That, that yeah, seems like really so long scary. ago, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think the tenant aspect of it has been the sort of the riskier side or the scarier side we've been through. I mean, it's not to say everything has been hunky dory. We've been through having to evict people and send the, you know, the bailiff to that kick people out. And so we've been through it, but I think, um, you know, Marco's dogged as he does it with everything in his life, dogged Mm -hmm. tenacity and grit. Um, Marco can out grit and outlast anybody, any, any (laughs) time. So, um, you know, with, with that um, type of attitude, it's like, yeah, it's going to suck. There's going to be bumps in the road, but you know, I, um, I definitely have faith in, um, in his stickability, I think, which is something that you need to have in this, in this industry. Cause if you don't, it can be easily, you can be easily scared off. Yeah. If you sell, if you sell a property within the first year, just commissions to realtors and legal fees and the land transfer expense, you know, that you're going to take to acquire, you know, we tell everyone, listen, if you don't think you can hack it for two years, don't even, don't even get in. Because if you sell something within the first year or even two years, I mean, I know appreciation has been crazy, um, but you're likely going to lose money. Like you have to make a commitment to go in and kind of stick with it. Um, And then something else I'm kind of curious about when you have dinner parties with friends, like four years ago, when you started, did you admit that you bought a property in Hamilton, Ontario, or did you avoid that conversation? I think people thought we were crazy. (laughs) And now these are the same people who are coming back to us saying, Hey, you know, we got some cash. Maybe we should talk. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. People were like, you have like young babies and my Marco was traveling, you know, Mm -hmm. 50% of the time I was in a crazy career and uh, they're like, really, you're going to do that. But yeah, again, those are the same people who are now like, wow, you guys have done amazing things. Let's chat. And so your portfolio now looks like what it's a mix of multi-unit property and single family. Yeah, our portfolio. So we have 13, 13 doors right now. Uh, and that's a combination of uh, triplex, multifamily, uh, duplex, single family as well. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is uh, reduce the number of addresses and increase the, the number of doors. So that's what I mean, Paul and I, we've been, you know, hitting like literally the streets almost uh, every, you know, every other weekend. Uh, trying to find a multiplex, like whether it's a three, you know, three plex or six plex. Um, and, you know, hopefully we could, we could probably get our next deal could be something in all along the lines of a 12 to 15 plex. So we're looking at something bigger. And Paul, what areas are you, are, do you have areas that you like that you're focusing on right now? Well, uh, I mean, inventory is so low that, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take it if the numbers work, but generally we're in the same areas. That we, that we always have been in Hamilton and Kitchener and Niagara region and Barrie and, you know, some of the tertiary markets too, like Welland or Niagara Falls or London, some stuff like that. And then what, um, what are the rents that you're seeing right now? Like if I was to take a, a 12 unit in St. Catharines, what, what rent are you seeing? What, just ballpark rents for me right now. Uh, 
like a, a, a multifamily style apartment, like a one bedroom might go for 12 to $1,300 a month. In St. Catharines. In St. Catharines, assuming that's, you know, a, a normal sized one bedroom mm. apartment, you know what I mean? With, with a parking spot, you know, with or without parking might adjust that rent a hundred bucks here or there. And a two bedroom, you know, you might be in the 14 to $1,500 range. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then just to share with everyone over the holidays, we had a, a rock star investor that we work with. I think this duplex is, it's actually a single family home with a legal second suite. I think it's Kitchener. Um, it might've been Hamilton. Um, they just hit, it was a larger first level. They just got, you know how Paul, we've been talking about rents here with, with the, the, all of the team. Um, they just got 3000 for the main floor. 3,000, 2,400 for the lower two bedroom. Must be an, an exceptional. Main. It's a four. The main floor is, is the four bedroom. Yeah, that's what it which is. is rare. But still when I, that's the same type of property in 2012 or so, or 2010, we would rent out that whole property for 1500 bucks and think we hit the jackpot. Yeah. I just, like just whole, whole, so that now, now that that property is getting 5,200 or 5,400, I forget how much exactly. Like for rents to, for one property to produce that much extra in income is just mind blowing to me. Well, that, that person who rents that four bedroom main level suite, it might, it might have even a, a half story up or down on the side split or back split or something too. But that, that if they're going to pay 3000 for a four bedroom, that means a single family or a townhouse or, or a semi-detached with four bedrooms is probably 3,500 or 4,000. So for them, they're getting a deal for four bedrooms but still getting access to parking and a backyard and a private entrance and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's um, so I, and I guess for you guys, do you ever look at your, because it sounds like you're, you're into your spreadsheets. Do you ever put an appreciation rate into your portfolio as it is and look 10 years from now, or do you never do that? I find a lot of people do not do that. And sometimes I'm like, Hey, just break out your spreadsheet. I think you said, I forget which one of you said that you're using 3% appreciation. Yeah, so you're being aggressive. <laughs> Was it three percent? Did I hear that properly? Yeah, three percent. And you're and being aggressive, yeah. Marco. You're being aggressive on the three percent. Okay, you gotta. You better turn that down. <laughs> I, I'm just joking. I mean, it's better to be conservative and then just be happy at the end. And who knows what the future brings, right? But right. Have, do you ever do that where you looked ten years out on mortgage being paid down and appreciation, or do you just stay away from that view? I, I so uh, I don't know, but but Nick, so I. I don't because it's such a disparity in terms of like what my spreadsheet, and I know Paul's going to laugh, but what my <laughs> spreadsheet says and what the reality is, both on the appreciation, the rents, the vacancy rate, because I'm, I'm conservative. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we healed. <laughs> it's like good we to healed. be conservative. I'm only laughing. It's good. We've all been there. But I guess now when we look over the last, we started this business in 2000 and. Uh, six was the very first one member. It was like the end of 2006, first full years, 2007. And looking back then, we had people take all sorts of spreadsheets from different organizations, uh, Marco, and tell us, Tom, I'm not going to buy this property because they divided the property tax by the purchase price and the ratio of that division <laughs> was like off. So they were like, and it was, a, I want to tell you, it was a Burlington fully detached four bedroom home for $268,000. But because that ratio was off, and I remember thinking, who is teaching you this stuff? The rent is this much, the expenses are this much. Sometimes we don't need to complicate it more than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's tear up your spreadsheet for a second. But they were just adamant that that was like not a good investment. That Burlington home now is like, I don't know, you know, probably. Same. 
eight, it's probably approaching eight. two million. Yeah, one point eight. Who knows what that property That's is? Seven or eight x return there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's nice to be conservative. I get your where you're coming from, Marco, for sure, for sure. But you should do that sometime. I think when we when we project <laughs> out and think about coming back to Marco's first point about like a legacy for the kids, I think that's when we start to you know, allow ourselves to that daydreaming, because I think, again, that's one of like the main motivators. And so at least, you know, I say to Marco, let's, you know, just put it in and then delete it, but just put it in for a fleeting second. Cause I think for me, you know, that's the legacy piece. It's to say, fun. Like, yeah. It's and it makes fun, it worth and it's, it. And it's not, yeah, exactly. And we're saying like, this is what we're doing this for, right? Because this is for, not for us, but it's for our kids and for our grandkids. So I find it, it, you know, Marco's maybe a little more willing to, to have a look at that number when it's not about us, but it's about the <laughs> legacy piece. Yeah, yeah. His, yeah, and his his approach is definitely proper for yeah. sure. I just um, want to add okay. something, and I don't want to steal any of Marco or Anique's thunder, but sometimes those numbers and those spreadsheets are, are, are a crutch for some people and it, it blocks them from doing stuff. When, when these uh, properties are appreciating that quickly, if it takes you six months or 12 months to end up making a decision, you end up costing yourself more than if you had just bought the property and slightly overpaid for it because the property is appreciated that much over six to 12 months. I mean, if everything is moving at two or 3%, then it doesn't matter, but time is such a, a valuable commodity. We can't get back. It's uh, I think Oakville is a good example of that one, Paul. Oh, yeah, this is, this is how much Tom, this is how much we trust all our numbers, but also how much we trust uh, Paul and the rockstar team. We've, we've bought, I think two houses, maybe if not three, uh, without actually looking at them. <laughs> the, the Oakville house, I think you saw it, but I didn't, and we put it in an offer. I think there was another house that we put in an offer. We didn't see it because we trust the system. We trust the numbers. The Oakville house is a rental? Right now well, it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, okay. But you're, you, you, that's going to be a family home for you guys at some point or no? Did, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So we, we, uh, yeah, we bought in uh, the spring of, I guess now last year. Um, had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts in Toronto still, um, boys' schools, and this is going to be sort of uh, an intergenerational home. So my mom, who lives in Montreal, um, put in oh, cool. for, for the home as well. So she's moving. She's on her own in Montreal, wants to be closer to us. So it's, um, yeah, so it's going to be a big event, but we rented it out over the last now, whatever it is, since May of last year, um, paying 5200 bucks a month, covering all of its costs. It's a a couple with a cat in a five bedroom home. Cool. <laughs> and um, yeah. And, and they've actually just said they want to, Paul, they've said they want to stay another year. So we're like, hmm, yeah, yeah. tempting, but no, no, we're going to yeah. move out uh, once the boys are done school in the summer. And my, yeah, mom, my cool. mom will be joining us from Montreal. Make sure you're giving notice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you're talking to either us or you guys have all your ducks in a row for, for giving the proper notice. We've been through a lot of different stuff on that. And uh, it's interesting because some investors do work with us and they've bought a whole bunch of properties. We have a couple of investors who've forgotten where some of their properties are because they haven't seen them. It's just in their spreadsheet. They've never <laughs> gone to them, you know? So, but to hear you guys buy your, what will become your primary place of residence at some point, not seeing it, that's usually not the case. So you guys are definitely aggressive. Marco didn't oh, okay. You eventually saw. saw. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Saw. Okay. Um, and I'm just trying to person saw it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The important person saw for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how to scare you guys to to prepare you. And and I guess is there something that crosses your mind that you know scares you? Like the biggest thing to me, the biggest threat that we would all face right now, holding real estate would be some credit event that where the bank sees lending. That will definitely our real estate market's driven by credit. 
right? So if credit seizes, prices will definitely come down. Your, the value of your properties doesn't change. Like you have lumber and brick and the roof, but in Canadian dollars, if there's no money flowing around, that's going to change the price of the, uh, you know, the Canadian dollar price of these properties. Does that come to mind at all? Do you, do you not want to think of worst case scenarios? How do you handle worst case scenario thinking? What comes to mind when I share that? So, um, so we de we definitely consider those those scenarios and and I look at worst case scenarios as part of my my planning. I, I think there's a couple of scenarios that that concern me, um, but but we're kind of planning for. So I think what concerns me is when, and not to get too political here, but but monetary policies that you have zero control over and government just printing cash which devalues our buying power, but more importantly, it devalues our kids buying power. That, that keeps me up at night because we have zero control. I mean, you can say you vote, uh, but really we don't have a lot of influence to that. So that, that, that concerns me, you know, with respect to the, to the credit events, I'm not, and, and I know uh, Tommy talked a lot about this as well. Um, yes. Interest rates will, will likely go up, but, um, they're, they're not going to go up to the 19, you know, back to the 1980s because our government is in such a, in a deficit, right? We're in a it, mess, it's, yeah. it's, it's just not, you know, it's not uh, conducive to, to what their, uh, you know, to, to their debt, to their debt load. So uh, I think what keeps me up at night is, is anything that is out of our control that devalues our purchasing power, uh, you know, number one. Number two is, Let's say there is a market correction. I mean, I've been reading the same headlines that you have for the past however many years, you know, meltdown, meltdown. And when we got into real estate, people are like- For us, it was since 1990, Marco, we've been told since 1998, <laughs> just so you know, you know, that the market's about to crash. So, so yeah, yeah. So, yeah. right. So that, okay. So, Mark, and, and, you know, it did briefly uh, crash, uh, which was a great buying opportunity for, I mean, a Nick's father bought some property in Florida. Uh, but that crash was so, so short-lived. Yeah. But let's and say the Canadian it does dollar. So you're talking about 2008 or nine, yes. yeah. And the Canadian dollar was really strong. Hi. That was right when the Canadian dollar was, I think, about par. Yeah. Yeah. So Very yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was that great. was pretty. Yeah, Nick's father got on that, bought two, well, a couple of properties. I wish that we had gotten sooner. But I, but let, let's say okay, let's say yes, there's going to be a crash tomorrow. And uh, you know our property's valuation gets cut by fifty percent. Okay, so don't sell. <laughs> don't sell. Mm -hmm. Be, just because your property values have crashed, and I, I, my family's in Ohio, and they've been through sort of the real estate crash. The property values go down, yes, but rents stay the same. In fact, in some places, rents actually go up. So the demand doesn't go away. You still have tenants. You still need a place to live. People are still there. Uh, you know, the, the looking for, to, for rentals. So the demand will be there. Uh, we just don't sell and we just, we, we, we ride it out until the crash is over, however long that's going to be. You guys are prepared. Yeah. You're, you're, Paul's smiling. Paul's liking the answer, the liking, the thinking here. Paul doesn't <laughs> smile too often. You guys are bringing a smile to Paul's face with your book. Okay. So my next question is how do you um, handle questions from your friends in Toronto who ask you, um, well, the prices are too high. We want to do something in real estate, but prices seem very high. Interest rates are probably going to go up soon. What, like, how do you approach that, or or do you not even tackle it because it's a huge topic? But I'm assuming you get if you're getting some people asking you saying, "Hey, we want to do something." I'm sure someone's also saying, 
but prices are really too high right now. Do you try to tackle that? And what's your approach? Or do you just not go there? Yeah, no, 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 view in perspective, right? Because it's so easy because I see it, I see the numbers and I see how good real estate has been to us. But coming from their perspective, I I try to understand where they're coming from. And where they're coming from is, 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 you know, being conditioned by, um, you know, their friends, their family, by the banks and by financial advisors to say, if you have a dollar, be a good Canadian and put it into your RSP and be happy with a 7% return. And in fact, you know, if you really want to be happy, we can guarantee the returns in the GIC. So, I mean, we all kind of know how that story goes, but we need to appreciate their context and where they're coming from so they can start to understand, you know, where we're coming from. So that's, that's the first thing. I really try to understand, like, well, let, let's park it about real estate. Like, what do you think a good investment is? And talk to me a little bit more about where you're happy around your, your yields. And they'll talk about their financial advisor, maybe, you know, yielding seven to 8% return. And then I ask a little bit more. I'm like, well, talk to me a little bit more about the MER, the management expense ratios and what you're paying them. And, and shockingly, the ta- to that. <laughs> yeah, shockingly, nobody, um, nobody knows well, the answer to that. That's the, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, and they, they won't know the answer. So then you, then you're, you're like, oh, okay, well you should probably, and you arm them with questions to ask, right? Better questions to ask. Well, you should probably think about um, you know, the expense ratios and you, you should ex, uh, think about how your investments are performing against the benchmark, right? Because if you take a look at it, they, they don't always outperform the benchmark. And so we, so that's the first thing I do. I ask, I ask them questions to seek to understand where they're coming from. And, and then shifting into, into real estate, um, we get into the, uh, yes, prices are going up, but you should also understand that prices are going up, but the value of your dollar is actually going down. Like, so it, you can't blame real estate. It's so hard uh, to get anyone to understand that though, right? I find I, when I say that, like I, I truly believe that, but when I say it to my friends, it's just like, like nothing registers with them when I say that, but I'm with you, obviously. Yeah, so I, so that, so I tried to, I tried to explain, I, I tried to explain that. Um, and then, and then they're like, okay, fine. And then, then, then I go back to the fundamentals because I don't want to make it, specifically about real estate, because then people will bring up like, what happens if tenants don't pay on time? And what happens if there's a zombie apocalypse? Have you thought about that? Right. And so rather than getting into those discussions, you just come back to like the logic and the fundamentals. Uh, Well, one, you kind of establish, you try to understand where they're coming from and you, and you arm them with better questions to ask. Number one, number two, then you bring the fundamentals, uh, you know, into play in terms of the, in terms of Canada, the demand, the immigration, um, our economy, and we've got some good fundamentals and good demand for for good for nice nice housing. And then the third thing is, then you start to you start to uncover like what is it that why are you why are we talking about this? Like it's not about it's not about money because it they they start talking about money, but it's really about hey, I really want to spend like Paul for example buying a nice vacation place in you know the Cayman Islands or I, I can't remember where it is. And then they start to open up to you and they start to talk about like what really matters. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you, that, that's where 
that that's where we talk about real estate because real estate is really an enabler of being able to spend more time with your family and, and you know as Nick mentioned passing on that legacy to the kids so that's that's typically how I, I I answer it now before I would basically say no you're wrong and there's no issues with tenants or very rarely and then <laughs> it, it doesn't really you know if you don't understand where they're coming from it's difficult to make that bridge I'd say the oh, one Michael, you're very nice you guys are very nice patient people <laughs> <laughs> And Nick, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I cut you off there. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the one piece that um, I think is still hard, just to, to Marco's point about, you know, starting where people's minds are at. You know, when we, when we do get into sort of the nuts and bolts and talk about, you know, if, if they'd like to invest money with us, you know, what the different, you know, partner roles look like in, in, a, in a deal. And I think what's been hard to articulate, just obviously because people are not in it, is just like what the management role, like the active role looks like. And so I think people don't, unless you've been through it, have a really good understanding of what it means. Like Marco said, to pound the pavement with Paul or Delano or others, you know, weekend after weekend, and like to put all of the work into the spreadsheeting and just to set up to set up that system to begin with, let alone maintain it, update it with all the changing, you know, regulations and policies that, that we see pretty pretty regularly. Um, and so that's that's the piece. And I don't know if you have any any insight on how to best communicate that, but I don't, and Marco, I'm just speaking for myself here, but it seems in, in a number of the conversations we have, um, that seems to be a bit of a sticky point when we're talking about returns and how that will be sort of, you know, split up um, the, the role or the value, I guess, of, of the management, like the, the active partner is not well understood for those who are not in it. And so I find a couple of people, well, one in particular kind of bowed out because we said, well, you know, if we're managing this, you know, you're putting your, you're trusting us with your money and, and you'll get your money back plus, but you know, there's an additional component here, which is the management of it. And, and that piece was a bit of a deal breaker for them. And so um, I'm wondering, you know, if, if you have any experience on how that's sort of gone over well, or how you've been able to articulate that to someone who's perhaps not been in it to recognize the value of that role and, and what that brings to the overall investment and to ultimately their return. It's always, yeah, and you're hitting on the, the thing that's been a challenge for everyone in throughout the history of joint venture deals in real estate. But the way we do it is we, and Nick and I just steered away from doing joint ventures. We used to do a lot more like eight, nine years ago. Now we kind of just don't do it for the reasons you just shared. It's just not worth it for us. Um, but the way we started doing it, we just broke it out. Like, hey, we're going to do, if we're going to do a 50-50 split or 60-40 or 75-25, um, it's for the acquisition of the property. Like it's, we're bringing our knowledge, we're bringing our network and we're going to analyze the deal. And that's what we're bringing to the table. And if you're putting the money up front for it, like, I don't know what relationship you're going to have. This is going to be our split. And then there's a second component. And this is where conviction in your voice just really matters. Because when you're first starting out, if you're not convicted about what you're going to say, it just comes across as weak and people can doubt you and not respect it. But then the second component is the ongoing everyday management of this process. And our annual fee for that is this. We can tie that in as a percentage of the deal, or we can separate that, separate that out as an annual fee that we extract from the cash flow on that property, whichever you prefer. So take option A or option B. If it's option A, we're rolling no it into, option. yeah, yeah, it's just no other option because for mm -hmm. our lives, it just doesn't make sense because what we're bringing to the table, like to find your knowledge base now is so advanced on hiring contractors, dealing with paralegals, the tenant board, like everything you're bringing to the table is of huge value. Uh, finding people like a Paul DeBruzzo, home inspectors, the financing options, like you just need to respect that 
so much that the conviction in your voice, it comes across, right? And then there's a whole other section, which is just the ongoing management of the property. And they're never <laughs> to be intertwined and never to be confused and never being put into one split. And when I say split, what I mean is it's never like, oh, we'll do everything on the deal for 50% of the transaction. You put up the money, qualify, we'll do everything else and it's 50-50. No, no. The way this works is we're bringing the knowledge to acquire the property. You qualify for the property. We'll do a split on that. Then there's this other thing. We're either going to outsource management and, and we don't want to do that. It's horrible. Or we're going to bring our A plus management style to this to maximize the cash flows, deal with the tenants, deal with all this stuff. Even if we're hiring a property manager, we're still bringing our, someone has to manage the manager. Exactly. Right. So someone has to man. So we're still bringing our, and our annual fee for that is X dollars. We can, if we plan to do this for 10 years, we're going to put that in right up front as a different percentage on the split, or it's just an annual thing that we take from the property, or it's just an adjustment on the ownership every year that you get a bit more of the equity or of the appreciation, but it's, we just break those two things out. And when we were just adamant that it's that or nothing, things started to work. When we first started to do joint ventures and we were a little weaker on our conviction on how much we're bringing to the table, that's when people questioned us. Because they were like, oh, well, and we're like, no, look, you have no idea. I've electrocuted myself three times. I've had to deal with property managers. I've had to fire property managers. I've had to go to the tenant board. I've had tenants call me a coward. I've had air conditioners ripped out. You know, and then even finding the deal, crunching the numbers, finding the financing. We've had financing fall apart the last minute. We know the backup lenders to go, the B lenders to where to go. We know when to call Paul DeBruzzo when we're really screwed and to get other lending. These things all have value and they're separate. So no, there's really no helpful. one good, there's no one good way to do it, but that's but how we've <laughs> conviction <laughs> and just, away. it's a separate, yeah, separate out mm. a huge part of the, the, the deal itself is one thing, but the management of the deal is completely separate. Com they're, they're never to be confused. Mm. Right. We used to do deals at Rockstar, Paul, you remember when we would find the deal and remember we charged like a home hunter fee. Do I remember? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like we would find the tenant and just for finding the tenant, we would charge like a completely separate fee. So there was commission earned by us for getting a deal, you know, finding a property that a tenant wanted. But then that tenant placement fee was a huge fee that we would charge. Well, huge in our eyes back then. I don't know if it's actually huge now, but to my eyes back then it was huge for putting this whole structure together. So we were earning a commission plus this other fee to make the deal happen. So there's a the, the conversation I always have is I, I never refer to my work as property management. It's always asset management. And there's always a fee built into the expense column for that, regardless of the split. And it, it, you know, my goal is always to do a, 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 if it's a basic single family or a duplex or a simple triplex, it's always to do a 50, 50 split. But I, I, uh, when I explain what I do, I explain that it's I'm asset managing and, and nobody knows what that is. So it's a very easy segue to just explain all that stuff you do. That's your, I guess that's your MER is, is, in, in this world. Property <laughs> management is lower on the totem pole on, on that hierarchy. So it, it, it just, it, it flows easy. And then you can give away that asset management fee if you're getting the split that you want. It's always going to work out in your favor. Yeah, language is important. That's really good. Um, okay, so what, so the, the next for you, I guess, is getting this other, you're going to increase your doors. I think you're talking about doubling the, the, the amount of doors. So you have, you're fearless at this point, it sounds like. 
Well, we're, I don't know about fearless, but we're, we're definitely, I'm definitely, a, you know, I'm definitely bullish, uh, obviously on real estate. Um, I mean, when, I mean, we, this is, I think this is what, six years. Uh, and uh, Paul helped us. Uh, we, we just sold uh, two properties uh, in Hamilton, one on the mountain and the other one in, uh, in downtown uh, Hamilton, uh, on Wentworth street. And when you sell it and you see the yields that you get, um, you know, I'll just share it with you. I mean, it was uh, 250K for each property. So that's, that's a 500K check you, ha- you have in your hands. And then you, you're like, oh, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I understand, I guess we put in work and yes, it was hard for sure. But to have that check in your hands to then go and buy, you have the confidence that you know it works. Like you know how to manage it. You know how to sell it. You know how to make money. Then to me, it's, it's, I guess, fearless. I don't know if it's fearless, but it's, it's just logical. And, and mm-hmm. like, I, I love, I love real estate, but it's not like there's other asset classes or other investments I've, I, I've tried. I mean, we we're, we're doing private lending. So Paul connected us with, uh, what's that, that Winrose group, Claire. So we're doing private lending. We're making 9% plus 3% there. So that's good. Um, I've got into some crypto investing. The uh, I, I listened to one of your podcasts, the uh, Leaden. Uh, folks, that mm-hmm. Canadian yeah. startup. So because of that, I started up an account and, you know, uh, I moved on to Nexo. So there's other platforms and there's other investment vehicles and we're diversifying it. Option trading is another one. Uh, took Irwin's course to learn that. Um, so we're diversifying, but but the real estate, for sure. I mean, we want to, uh, I mean, if if you've got a system in place and it works, like why not just keep hammering on that. Yeah, right? you're, you're to the point where it's not risky anymore. It's more just a business decision. Are we allocating funds here? Here's the expected mm-hmm. returns. Here's our risks. And I always look at real estate investors like yourselves who have the, the great experience that you have now. You're actually risk averse. So some people would look at you and say, wow, you guys are pretty risky doing all this stuff. And I'm sure some of your own friends and even family might think that of you. But to me, the way I see you is you're actually risk averse. You have the team. You're crunching the numbers. You know the expected results. You see, you've cashed out a check now. You know it works. You're reducing risk in all the areas that you can to proceed. So it's uh, yeah, good on you both. You're 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 both uh, a little uh, fearless, I would say. I know you're not you're you're not saying it, but you have to have some guts to uh, to uh, to do this. Anything? Well, the, uh, the the risk adverse. I'll, I'll tell you just a quick story because I like in, when I was a, at a conference, I, I got to and meet bef- the CMO. Marco. Before you go into sorry, before Paul, I know you have some family obligations. You gotta you both. If you need to drop off, just drop off. Yeah, I gotta run in a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Thanks for being Paul, here. Paul, are we are we gonna? I, uh, we, I talk to Paul all the time. I'm sure he's sick of me, but uh, I'm looking forward to connecting on that that deal. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm that, meeting with that, the commercial. That deal, yeah. No, no, <laughs> but no, I, I want to congratulate you guys both. You guys are, are action takers and, you know, regardless of the fear and the obstacles in front of you, you just do stuff and figure out the rest later, which is basically the formula for success in real estate. At least that's the way I do it. <laughs> uh, so good for you guys. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud and I'm, I'm happy to be your, your, your guide, your coach, your mentor, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's been a, it's been a cool run. Thank you. Well, thanks, Paul. And I really appreciate your personal story transitioning from, uh, you know, being a firefighter because you told me that story. And that was that was a big transition for you to get into uh, real estate. And I think, Tom, I don't know if you know this, but but Paul used to be, uh, you know, Mr. April. And he was in, in you know, shirtless, of course, <laughs> with his fireman 
outfit. And that was a big deal for him, right? So getting, you know, dropping all of that, getting into real estate, it's a big deal. So his story leave, is pretty Hey, to leave that behind, I mean, you know, <laughs> to slug it out in the streets of St. Catharines looking for 12 plexes. I mean, that's, you know, that's, uh, you're leaving a lot of celebrity behind there. Yeah. Tom has that poster in his office somewhere. <laughs> no, I definitely do not. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Was that a, Paul, was that a real thing? No, no. Okay. We have someone else. I think it was another investor. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't want to say their name. That was in one of those calendars. Uh, I, I, I'll talk I, to you about yeah. it after. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but cool. cool. Anyways, I got to run guys, but uh, okay. Later, again, Paul. see you soon. See you, Paul. Ciao. But, uh, Marco, you were sharing a story. I cut you off. Do you remember what you were going to share or no? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, well, just a two kind of two pieces. Cause I, I want to talk about the decision-making and, and, uh, just the partnership with uh, with Anik, um, the and how important it is. Uh, so we make decisions based on on numbers and and finance, you know, financial spreadsheets. But I mean, I'll just tell a personal story, sweetie, if it's okay, um, sweetie Anik. Um, you know, when we've been together twenty two years, twenty three, twenty three, twenty three years, and. Um, you know, 23 years when we first met and, and we oh, talked God, about one, this is an awesome, I love this story. Can I tell this story? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 20, 22, 23 years later. So we, um, so we met, uh, and money was, I, I would say a contentious issue. Uh, and that's probably not uncommon between, you know, most couples, and we just didn't really have, you know, the mechanisms really to talk about money. And, and I had, you know, kind of certain perceptions and she had different perceptions. And I remember when, when we made our first big money decision, I remember this, and it was buying a couch at the, at the Bay. And it was- We just moved in together. Yeah. We had just moved in together. We weren't married. We weren't married at the time. That's a whole other story. But, but we went and we were like, okay, well, we're living together. Um, and now we're going to buy a couch and it was $800. And I remember the conversation that we had before that purchase. And it we was had to all... get a bay card, <laughs> a credit card to do it. <laughs> we had to get a bay credit card to do it. So we were, this was our first moment that we were going to be tied together buying an you asset. You were all in, you were all in. That all bay in. card had like an 18% interest rate. That was like 18% interest rate on that card. Yeah. You were all in. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that was a, that was a big commitment. Uh, we paid it off of course, but <laughs> um, but, but like, so I remember thinking like, it was stressful. It was stressful for Nick. It was stressful for me because we were like, okay, do we need like a prenuptial? Like we're not married, but this is a big investment, $800. Like what do we do if we break up? Do you get half of the couch? Is it, is it like a Seinfeld episode where you split the bike? Like, what do you, like, how do we do this? And, and that was early, early days. And I'm sharing the story because that, that was, I'm sure like many other couples talking about money raises issues and concerns, especially when you start to get into real estate and you're making, I mean, we're, we're highly leveraged, we're making big purchases. Um, you know, part of the decision-making, yes, is based on the financials, it's based on the numbers, but, and I just, you know, I'm very lucky uh, that our relationship is so, is so strong uh, between Nick and I, that we, we've gotten to a point where we can make big financial decisions because there's a, there's a level of trust and understanding there that I would say it's it's beyond the financial spreadsheets. I don't know, Nick, oh, if yeah. you would if you would agree, hopefully you do. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's no, I cool. Agree. And I, I agree. And, and I think and it's I, rare. I think it is rare. And I think, Marco, you know, you've been able to uh, 
build back up that trust, certainly coming into the relationship, you know, everyone has their baggage uh, around money and being a, a woman in money in particular always has additional, I think, baggage. Um, and, and um, but I think, you know, your transparency, I think trust in the system and then just trust in, in, in you know, having that common outlook and that common goal, um, you know, yeah, Marco goes out and he's like, I'm going to buy a $1.8 million you know, property. Is that okay? And I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, show me the spreadsheet. I Things, have look changed. Photos. Things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we've come a, a really long way from an $800 couch and bought on a bay card <laughs> to, uh, you know, to, to $2 million investments, which I don't even end up seeing. Um, but, but I, 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 we shouldn't downplay it because it's taken a heck of a lot of work to get to that level of trust. And, uh, and so, um, yeah. I think it's it's unique, um, but I, I think the other thing that I think is really unique, and I'm I'm loving seeing the input of the boys into the video as well. So, you know, I think financial literacy and understanding about investments, and, and to Marco's point, sort of deviating away from what you're taught in school, which is not necessarily the best way to to be investing. Um, you know, our kids are into it. Our kids get it. You know, they 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 now have the language to talk about real estate investing. And, they come at it, you know, they come with us on weekends and they can point stuff out about different houses or different areas. And, you know, that's cool. That's cool to see that, to see that we're actually instilling in them the sort of financial literacy and investment literacy around things. And I mean, I didn't have that probably until I was literally in my thirties. Um, so I think that's also really cool. And to see us sort of bantering about, and, you know, as much as I think they hate it, cause it takes, you know, attention away from them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're seeing that partnership between he and I and that mutual decision-making around finances, because I think that'll lend well, you know, to their own relationships and how they manage their money moving forward. So yeah, I'm very grateful. Amazing to, to hear you both explain that. What a power couple you two are. That's like really cool to hear. I mean, really, we've dealt with a lot of people over the years, and I can tell you many people come in here wanting us to convince their spouse that they should invest because they're well, getting was, to there was some convincing yeah, talk. Yeah. I mean this is over many years. <laughs> no, no, um, I know, I know. In I fact, know, but for Marco you... has some pictures of me. He he prides himself in taking pictures of me in like very awkward moments. And um <laughs> he put together a slideshow most recently of all of those awkward, awkward photographs sitting at Scotiabank with the least the lending documents with my I'm like white as a ghost. I look like I've just been like handed over my firstborn child. So he, he, he likes to poke fun at me for those things, but so it's certainly not always been the case, but we've come, we've come around. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Well, I remember to, one. So, so I was going to ask you, I mean, how do you, so like for, cause I, I saw, I listened to Aiden's podcast, right. And I think you were, I think you were interviewing Aiden, which was kind of cool that, that interview and he was talking about Bitcoin, but like, how do you feel? And then with, with Carol, like, how did you guys do it? How did you talk about financial literacy with, with Aiden and, and how did you partner with, with Carol or if we can ask you those questions? Sure. Yeah. With, with Aiden, uh, rich dad, poor dad, which I'm sure you guys know the name uh, yeah, that just changed my thinking on career and owning your own business. And I had no idea. I was just raised with go to university, get good job. Like I knew nothing more than that. So that book just blew my mind so much that I just knew that when we had kids, I was going to have my son or daughter read that. And so with Aiden, I think he was around 10 or 11. Um, he had already heard his uncle and myself. I, I dragged him to collect rent. I dragged him to collect rent with some tenants that were not very pleasant. And I had him there right behind me. 
when I was, when doors were being opened that much and I was talking to a tenant through the door, probably in some situations where Nick and I should have not put ourselves in to be quite frank, you know, quite frank, but we were young and naive. We didn't know about the tenant board and paralegals and, you know, we were going to collect rent because we desperately needed it. And I would bring out, you know, uh, my son <laughs> and those situations <laughs> thinking it was a learning environment. So always exposing them to that kind of stuff. But then I think around the age of 10 uh, to, to uh, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then to give us a presentation, to take the 10 points, because I always believed in presentation skills and the ability to communicate. So I'm like, I don't want you just to read the book. I want you to take 10, any 10 points that you thought were interesting, put them into a presentation and present them back to us. That's so that's idea. kind of what I did with, with, with Aiden and then Sienna, my daughter kind of followed. Uh, so they both have those books. And then it was just giving him other books to read. And sometimes um, he's 19 now. I can't remember if I shared this on that podcast. I pay him to read books. So most people will tell me that's wrong. And, uh, say, no, he should want to read them by himself. But at, a, at an age where I think a lot of his ideas on life might be forming, I, as his father, want certain information in his brain. And I'm willing Not to pay- Not what he gets over put, social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm willing to pay, as ridiculous as this sounds, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing. I don't think he, he would, uh, <laughs> but I'm willing to pay to get him to read a book. And he's quite, I'm very grateful. Both Sienna and Aina, they're both willing to do It's not a really hard push. And then if I off, if I dangle a little bit of a payment in front of in front of them, especially now, if it's in Bitcoin, um, they're very <laughs> eager. They're very, very eager. So it hasn't been that hard of a sell, but that's how I've been uh, doing it with both of them. So starting them early reading and then trying to continue that um, as much as I can. And then with Carol, I think she just knew I was so frustrated in the corporate world that if she didn't let me go off down this real estate path while I was in the corporate world, that she was going to have a very frustrated husband. So I look back and I think I probably treated her poorly and incorrectly in those years where if she didn't understand where I was coming from with real estate, I was probably too dismissive of some of her uh, thinking around it, looking back now. So I really think it's a miracle that she's still with me. So I, I wouldn't say that I, I was like an asshole, but I probably was very like, oh, you don't get it. Like, no, we have to do this. And it was, I was just very dismissive. Um, so I don't have a good answer for how she survived through that, but I'm very, very grateful. <laughs> very grateful. I, I know what you, I know what you mean. I, Nick, I don't know how you survived 23 years being with me, but I am also very grateful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're lucky. Yeah, yeah. So Mark, we're both very lucky. <laughs> and now as your financial situation changes, our, maybe our literacy around these things change, our communication, the words we use change. So we can sit down and have such much better conversations. Mm. Right. But in my twenties, it was, it was, it was, I was weak on that side for sure. So I wish I had a brilliant answer, but it was more just, I think it was more on her seeing a husband that was not going to be uh, pleasant to be around and that she better let him go explore this thing <laughs> or else, or else, you know, who knows what would have happened? Uh, who knows where I would have ended up? I was, I was pretty grumpy in the corporate world, to be fair. You know, I just felt it wasn't, I wasn't able to express myself properly. I was getting paid well. I don't know. Weird. You're at Oracle. That was the Oracle day. Oh, it was or at Oracle. Yeah. And I started, that's when I was option trading back then and starting online websites, doing the digital marketing thing. I thought I was going to sell PDFs. Like I went through that era. Remember the era of like 94? seven to like 2004 where it's like if you were online you were just like i'm gonna sell this pdf report i'll live on the beach and i'll just make millions off this website i remember explaining this to carol 
I'm like, we're just going to send this report, sell a PDF for $9 and 99 cents on my website. And like, we're going to, that's it. <laughs> so that went over really well. <laughs> yeah. 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 That didn't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just want to thank you both for taking the time to do this. And I think your story, just when other people hear this, I really think it's going to help other people get through some of their own thinking around real estate. So you, there was you know, no need for you to share as much as you did during this time together. So I really want to thank you both, you know, Anik and Marco, both of you for, for doing this. You just didn't need to. And it's really powerful when I think other local Canadians can share their story. Because when we all read different American stories or from people far away from us, you think it's not possible for yourself. Yeah. But when you hear you two in Toronto exploring Hamilton and then Brantford and St. Catharines and these areas, it just makes it real. So thank you. Like, really, I really thank you for doing the member of the month story for Rockstar members to learn from you. Thank you for coming on this podcast and sharing your story. It really means a lot to us. And it gives, it gives what we do purpose. So thank you. Well, th thank you, Tom. I mean, I, I think what you, uh, <laughs> and there's the word. Hey, mister. From home. How's it going? How's it going, dude? You're on live TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, thank you. That, that's our youngest, Damien. Uh, well, t well, Tom uh, and uh, Nick sent me a note uh, that you know, he wasn't able to make it. But, you know, thank you. I think the story, uh, I mean, the story about, I, I think it's Croatia, you know, you're, you're you're coming from Croatia, your parents coming from Croatia, setting up the drywall, like that family run business mm -hmm. and sort of the mm -hmm. trials and tribulations that you guys have went through. I mean, Nick, Nick's story of, you know, trying to hold back the sewer with his hands. And yeah. I, I, what, what I really gravitated to, because I went to a lot of the U.S. seminars and the kind of the, you know, the real estate get rich, you know, quick. Um, what really connected with, with me uh, is uh, your story, but the authenticity of your story um and it, there wasn't like candy coated you were like this is what we do this is why we do it um because it wasn't really about the money it was about the purpose and kind of like you, you say the living life on on your terms like that to me is pretty powerful and I, i'm a marketer so i really appreciate the thought that you guys have have put together in building that brand because that that's really the power of it um so thank you for that and also thank you for the i mean truly truly the practical real world experience in helping us find, uh, you know, the, the real estate deals and, and other things as well been, has been invaluable and, and game-changing and life-changing for us. So thank you, uh, Tom, and, cool. and I know Nick's not there, but but thank you as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass it on. Yeah, we all get to suffer together. I tell everyone, you know, it's like a support group when you get into real estate. Like the, the, the rewards are very high, but there's a lot of pain through it too. You know, there's a lot of pain that goes into this, you know, it makes those brief moments when you said, you know, mentioned you got the checks when you cash out, makes those brief moments worth it. Like, oh, you know, this was all worth it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, cool. Okay, let's keep in touch and uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. Sounds good. Take care, Tom. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Marco and Anik and Paul. If you want to get into real estate investing and you're trying to learn a little bit more, pick up some more information, you can come to the next introductory training class that we have by registering at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.